thinking three again. Missed one a few moments ago. There it is, and down it goes for his first NBA hoop. I don't want to call it today, you know, I just made it rain. Hold me back, fam! A below average three-point shooter. There's Simmons. I got 50 biscuits. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the PickSwap Podcast. It's another early morning on a Tuesday. Uh, coming off a, a tough Sixers loss last night, but shorthanded team, so it was a, to be expected a little bit. So I'm here with Sean Bernard as usual. What's up, Sean? Yeah, unlike the Knicks, I will not be celebrating like I won the championship after beating the Sixers without their best three players and four guys on COVID protocol. So I think I'm feeling a little more even, even-minded even tonight. Yeah, they uh, that was very interesting. And to the credit of the Knicks fans, I thought this in Madison Square Garden, we talked about this, they were very rowdy and, and noticeable. And then last night again, which something I don't like is hearing a lot, a lot of Knicks fans at the Wells Fargo Center yesterday, which was a shame to me. Yeah, um, crazy, crazy that how split it was and how many Knicks fans there were. Very disappointing to see it. Yeah, yeah. Like the spark a little better. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to hear any Knicks fans at all. And this, and Sixers fans normally do a very good job. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a little bit surprising, but you know, close travel, a lot of probably a lot of Knicks fans in the area. So um, we can push back a little bit here. We don't want to get into the Knicks game right away. Uh, we'll, we'll recap everything that we've missed so far since Thursday. So to go back to Thursday night. The Sixers played the Pistons, uh, picked up another win, and Tyrese Maxey stood out to me in that game. Uh, tell me what you saw in Thursday night's matchup against the Pistons. Yeah, they won 109-98. Another great win for the team. Another This team just keeps competing is my takeaway from this this whole stretch. And I love every bit of the fight in this team. Tyrese Maxey stepping up. He's improving. Uh, his decision-making, I think, is what the biggest sign of growth is. And just this is a after last night, but Tyrese Maxey has played over 165 minutes of basketball over the last four games and turned the ball over twice during that time. So just like that amount of decision making and that just being smart with the ball is such a sign of growth and so huge when we think about like the long term potential of this guy. And those are better numbers than Ben Simmons has put up during when he's running the team because as much as Ben does things that the team's still missing, the turnovers are something that. It's kind of nice that he's not around. That is something Ben has had issues with. So it's a, cool to see Maxie so early showing those like great decisions, making the right reads. And I mean, as much as we've kind of put down his development early on and that like it has been what we've hoped for yet, like we put such a high bar for this kid to live up to. And he's doing such a great job of continuing to get better every day. So I guess Maxie's been a, a solid takeaway for me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm definitely uh, still very high on Maxi. He was my sixer of the week for last week, and you know Thursday night he turned 21. So, like, yeah, still kind of puts it in perspective how young this kid is. He couldn't legally buy a beer until Thursday, um, and he, you know, he put up 20 points in that game. Like you said before last night, I don't know if he had, I don't know what his, um, what it came down to last night, but what I wrote yesterday was 19 assists through the last three games last week. 19 assists to two turnovers. Uh, kind of incredible for him, a guy that's like just recently being put in this role. A lot of teams are pressuring him. Like a lot of teams are kind of deciding that they're going to make it his responsibility to make decisions. And uh, defensively, they're kind of scheming that way, which is interesting. But uh, he's done a great job kind of pushing off that pressure, handling himself, staying composed, making the right reads. And again, like last night, he struggled a bit last night. Um, but he gets to the rim at such an amazing rate and he's so talented in that area that 
as things get like kind of come along and they grow and we see him trying to expand the range a little bit and he's done he's done a decent job um in at least shooting open shots from distance but mm-hmm. um as that shot really starts to develop uh in the next couple of years like, he's gonna be very very dangerous because teams aren't like defenders aren't going to know what to do with him in terms of like they can't close out hard because he can beat you either side he's strong with either hand um and he's so quick so if you close out hard he's going to run right past you if you don't hopefully in the near future he's able to knock those down consistently because that makes him really really difficult to defend yeah and by the way he needs to start getting foul calls it is absurd how often he attacks the rim contact everywhere and just whistles are silent and there was one blatant one last night where it was coming down there was a full like two hands all over him and just everybody's standing around watching so I, I keep saying that it's going to come with respect like as he gets better and has he kind of grows in his reputation that the calls will come but it's absurd some of the stuff that they let fly on him that just wouldn't for other guys and I think he he's earned the right to at least kind of I, I think it's like his burst that like the reason why they don't because it's that quick just like I don't know just run in like kind of attitude that they the refs kind of look the other way on but he, he's earning more calls than he's getting at this point. And I would like that to change for sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of times with him, like specifically with him where it's like, you just watch it happen. And it's just yeah. very, very bad. And um, I don't, yeah, maybe it is like the fact that he's kind of small. So he gets knocked around even when it's not a foul. Uh, he gets hit around and like, again, I don't want to like, it's hard to compare. Um, but like smaller guys just don't get the calls that like, but unless you're like Trey Young, unless you're, you know what I mean? Like, unless you're one of those guys, the way that he plays, which, you know, they are changing the rules and everything, but he really does it in a different way. Like he's not yeah. foul baiting, like he's going right at the rim. And maybe that's another thing. It's like, he goes strong to the rim every time. Um, he's not afraid of contact. So uh, it's kind of one of those things where it doesn't necessarily look that bad until it's like blatant, but then even the blatant calls aren't getting called. So I definitely agree with you there. Tyrese Maxey deserves a little bit more. Uh, respect in that area. So, was there anything else that you took away from from Thursday night's game against Detroit? Um, nothing major. I mean, I was kind of hoping for an Andre Drummond revenge game. Didn't see a ton that we saw the twenty five rebounds last night, which was crazy, just an absurd number to be able to do that. Uh, the Bulls game, I think, was a, a bigger takeaway of mine. I think there was more from that game. Uh, a the signs of the Joel Embiid, like the MVP Embiid, were there. I was so happy to see that he ended with. Uh, 30 points, 15 rebounds, three assists, uh, two blocks. The turnovers were – he was a little sloppy on the decision-making, but, I mean, the three to end the game, the waving fans goodbye, <laughs> everything about it I loved. And uh, the block on DeRozan a couple nights prior was insane. Defensively, he's been terrific this season. And uh, so I guess it was great to see that. Paul Reed getting the start. Awesome to see B-Ball Paul coming out the mud a little bit. Very disappointed that last night he only played four minutes in the next game. I thought he earned more than that and would have loved to see him get a look at Randall. But uh, in the Bulls game specifically, I do think he showed that he adds something to this team. And for me, I felt like this from the beginning, but I just think there's something there with Paul Reed that's like worth developing and worth going through the growing pains. And he's just kind of the energy muscle guy, and he added something to that starting lineup being in it. He made things happen. He's pure madness out there, but I absolutely love it. Yeah, he dude, he cracks me up, and he had the the one play against the Pistons where he got into the lane and fell over and was just like on the ground, and then he threw it up and yeah, <laughs> Drummond missed, and then he dunked, and it's just like it, it's one of those things you kind of just chuckle at the things that he does well because it's just so unorthodox and and not smooth. But uh, I forget, I, I don't want to 
say the stat wrong because I forget what exactly what it was, but he's really high up in like offensive rebounding rate. And Doc pointed out yesterday, like if there's a loose ball, he's going to be on it. Uh, he's going to be chasing. He's going to be right there along with whoever else is chasing. So Paul Reed, I wish again, like looking at the box score last night, I was surprised. Like Andre Drummond played like 38 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Niang played like 37 minutes. Like why we did Paul seven, Reed? We went seven man rotation basically. Eight eight guys play. Paul Reed was the eighth and only played four minutes, which like why? I, I understand we're shorthanded, but that's all the more reason for me to spread this out. Like give Jaden Springer a little run. Give Aaron Henry a little a little try or something like yeah, I, I they're the defensive win. guys and yeah, but especially with a back to back tonight, play the Bucks again tonight. Like these guys' legs got to be getting tired, and I feel bad. And like a lot of this is, three minutes, yeah, that's absurd. But I don't understand the decision making from that. I definitely would have loved to see more Paul Reed run, but I don't know. Congrats to Doc for the thousandth win, by the way. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, and I've been obviously we know I've been very critical of Doc over like since him being here um but i think he has done a nice job in terms of like getting all of these younger guys and and the newer guys and the unexperienced guys kind of ready uh to step up especially in the absence of you know the guys that are missing and right now it's you know we're going through a really tough stretch and kind of getting depleted by covid right now and we'll talk about that in a little bit i go on saturday night dude what is furcon corkwise is he god is he what is Hello. he it's insane. Seven for nine from three, 25 points um, on a like coming off a wrist injury and missing a game uh, Thursday night's game against Detroit for a wrist injury. Man, he went crazy. And, you know, he told us after the game some nights he just makes it rain. Saturday, he made it rain. It like it's so funny because then like last night he wasn't that good. Like he was kind of just like around. He played a lot of minutes. I he think kept he scored... us in the game, though. In the he did. Time. And he steps up when it's time like. Furkan is definitely not uh, shy when it comes to pulling the trigger on basically any shot, and he's willing to do so. Uh, but Saturday night, he was he was the best player in a lot of situations, and like him and Embiid combining for fifty five, like wow, it's so fun, so much fun to watch. Yeah, his catch and shoot time is absurd. How quick he can just get it out of his wrist and his set. Like uh, there was one play where he came around like for a dribble handoff. He had barely even looked at the basket yet, and it was already out of his hand, and then right in just swish it in. So when he's just that hot, it's so fun. And I'm just like so proud of Furcon for becoming like this guy was like an end of the bench, like feel good, have round guy to now he's like a valuable part of this bench unit and this team. And he has a skill set that this team like needs. Like he's a super important part of this team at this point, which is the difference he can make and the microwave scoring that he brings and just the willingness to shoot. And like, he has such like a, a presence because of it. Like, even like Seth Curry in the starting lineup doesn't. I don't see the magnitude of defense worry that like Furkan just has that. Like you see just the panic rush to get out there and defend him, which is, that that means something, and that's a key part of like spacing the floor, doing all this. And I'm so happy that Furkan has stepped onto this and uh, looking severely underpaid from the contract he agreed to. So shout yeah. out Darren Mori again. Yeah, seriously, he did. Uh, I was talking about that the other day. I'm like. In two years, like we've seen what Furkan has grown into from two years ago to now, like two years from now, he's still going to only be getting paid $5 million a year. Like there's, he's, there's a, he's 24 years old. Yeah, like he's like not he's, old. Yeah. No, he's not in his prime yet. And he's definitely hitting his stride right now. And like uh, everyone talks about gravity in the NBA, right? Like 
Furkan has that. And now like he's showing the ability to get to the rim. He's showing the creation ability where if he gets downhill and guys help, he's going to hit the right guy. And he, like, that was something that I really never thought that he would be. I thought that he would be a catch and shoot, like kind of just standing around the three point line, not really doing anything else. Maybe a backdoor cut every once in a while. Like I thought that would be Furkan. He's turned into a very solid defender. He's turned into much more than a three-point shooter on the offensive end. And he has that gravity, like pick and rolls. He's handling the ball. Mm -hmm. The defender has to go over the screen. So you immediately create that advantage of a two-on-one. Like that is the point of a pick and roll is to create that advantage. And he does a good job getting the ball to the big. He does a good job getting to the rim and hitting floaters. Like he's a very like skilled player, as much as it sounds like kind of funny to say, like he's very skillful and talented. Um, he has that like Joe Ingles ability where like if he catches it at his head, he just goes right forward. Like he doesn't have the, yeah. like he doesn't go down to the shooter's pocket. He just like takes it right from his nose up, uh, which is like a ton of fun to watch. And then obviously the patented pump fake, which he's never missed off of. He's never missed a shot after he pump fakes it and a guy That's jumps really by. Good. So seriously, it's lethal. It really is lethal. And <laughs> it's just like uh, throws it back a little bit. And it's, <laughs> it's so funny to watch because you so like, there is still that comedy to to Furkan because he's like, he's goofy. He really is, yeah. but he's he's been genuinely a very like a really important part of this team. Between him and Joel, I can't tell. I can't. How can we not have the best pump fakes in the league? Like <laughs> seriously, so, uh, both those guys just raising it all the way up to the ceiling. But for real, Furkan's like pump fake sidestep three has been pretty much automatic for him. He, he's just all wrist on his shot all the times, which is so impressive with like just the quickness he gets it off. Uh, the ball handling has been huge to me. That's been something that, like, we haven't really seen before in his game. Obviously, his time with Turkey, with the national team, he's done it. But as far as an on-the-sixes role, he's pretty much just been a spot-up shooter in the corner. And for him to take a more ball-dominant role, create for himself, create for others, opening up, and doing pretty well at it, that's an awesome new layer. And that's something that I don't think any of us expected to really see transition in the NBA. But I'm thrilled that it does and it does open up things. Like he was not a zero when he was forced to be like the backup point guard. And that's something that just now the confidence of doing that is now an option in like a regular rotation. And that's just something that can give guys like Shake or Maxi a little bit of a rest or just give the opposing team like a different look when he's a guy that can take the ball up, make things happen. And that's just adding layers to his team, adding layers to his game. And it's working. It makes him way more versatile. Like I like yeah. when you think about it, he can play with a lot more lineups now like you put him out there with uh one ball handler he can be the secondary if you put him out there with three ball handlers he's going to be a catch and shoot guy that's really strong off in that position so there it, it makes a like it makes him easier to play like all the time like it makes the decision for doc to have him in and leave him in easier um it makes the decision for him to have the ball in his hands like it used to be like panic button like oh god like Furkan has the ball He's dribbling. Like, what is he doing? Like, get the ball out of his hands as soon as possible. But he's really, like, I don't even know, like, what his role is going to be once this team is fully healthy. But, like, in a smaller sense, like, once it's not, like, that was a main option on offense last night. And you see how it kind of gets, like, it gets exhausted after he's done it a lot because you can only, like, there is some limitations to it. But when it is, like, that kind of spark, okay, Furkan's in, he's, like, up there in terms of fourth quarter points like i think after yeah. saturday night he was like third yeah which is like i think he was third. second i'm pretty sure he was second which like is right crazy. behind yeah. demar Derozan or whoever yeah yeah like I, i'm pretty sure that's what it was like what <laughs> since when like what is going on but yeah Furkan is definitely was he was the biggest takeaway for me but like you said uh and bead i talked about this yesterday a lot because like 
I've seen a lot of people say they're kind of concerned. Oh, like obviously now um, Embiid's out with COVID, which is like worst case scenario, like the last thing we've we've wanted for Joel. Um, but before, like he hasn't been putting up the like the scoring numbers um, that he did last year. And obviously they're only 11 games in, so that doesn't mean a whole lot yet. Um, but I kind of could like, I credit that to the fact that he's buying into this team basketball that they're playing and like everyone's eating, everyone's scoring. He's not worried about what he's doing. He's moving the ball and passing the ball at a, at a higher and better rate, um, than any other time in his career. And on top of that, he's been an absolutely stellar defender. So like, I think it's more attributed to the fact that he's buying in to the fact that everyone's got to play. Everyone's got to play well for them to win. And he can't just score 40 a night and, like if he wanted to, I'm sure he could probably put up 30 a night. Um, but sure. you know, he had that year. He had that chance to be like, here, I'm here. This is who I am. I can do this and I will. And I'm sure we'll see it a few more times. Um, but I think a lot of the time he's just going to do whatever the team has to do to win. And I, I think that's been a really good thing. Like, and act, like a lot of people are kind of worried. I'm actually encouraged by the fact that they're still winning games and winning games handedly, even when Embiid's scoring like 20. Yeah, obviously a terrible situation with all the guys out with COVID right now, but I guess to put like a positive spin on it, like I'm happy these guys are getting a chance to play major roles and just be more front and center and just see what they got developmentally wise. And uh, obviously shout out prayers up for Embiid, Tobias, uh, Matisse and Isaiah Joe. Uh, it sounds like both Tobias and Embiid aren't doing great with it or are a little bit sick. So I'm sure they'll be fine to get through it, but just prayers up, they'll be all good. Uh, as far as the team in general, like, I mean, it's crazy the amount of minutes these guys are logging. I think, like, when we see, like, Curry has the, – the confidence Curry is playing with, especially, is, like, this guy wants to be a front and center shooter. This guy, you see him seeking out his shot. He didn't have a great game last night against the Knicks, but he – it has been, like, that rock offensively, that, like, the look for your own shot, create his own separation. And to see that kind of growth and mentality is massive. And that's something that I do think is, like – will carry on when all these guys are back. And same with Maxi. If you can be give the confidence now to just be like a 1A guy and create your own stuff, when you're now in a secondary role and that's just like an option and not like a go-to, like that makes this team so much more value, so much more deep and valuable. Yeah, that's kind of like the point I was making with Furkan too, is like mm -hmm. we're looking at how much these guys are being relied on. And, you know, we do end up seeing the limitations. Like last night they weren't able to, like down the stretch, yeah, they struggled. Sure. Like they, yeah. they struggled, and the Knicks again. The Knicks are are a good team that were completely healthy, essentially, um, minus Mitchell Robinson. So like, the Sixers didn't have their like three best players, and like Danny Green played, uh, Seth Curry played, and Maxi played. So like, you still count. Oh, they had three starters, but like, Maxi's still a replacement. If we're being honest, and like Danny Green is the worst starter uh, mm. by like a significant margin at this point. I feel like, and then like they just honed in on Curry and didn't really let him get open, especially in the second half. So uh, there's quick, a lot. Uh, old head Danny Green with two chase down blocks last night. What? what? Like, yeah. <laughs> he was doing it all game too. Like there were so many fast breaks where I was like, oh shit, Danny Green might, he might catch <laughs> yeah. him. And then he blocked, well, he blocked RJ Barrett and who else do you remember? Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. Dude, the one, that, the one on Barrett though, I literally looked to my roommate. I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, where did this come from? Pitting off the backboard and everything. But yeah, yeah. fresh legs for DG, I guess. He's uh, yeah. he had some time off. So, but off a hamstring injury, he came back feeling bouncy, I guess. But yeah, it cracks me up. And and he played all right. There was a stretch that he went, he brought them back into the game, mm -hmm. uh, which, like, again, he, 
he can do that. Um, and I'm assuming that's what we'll end up seeing from him down the line and being a bit more reliable down the stretch of this season. Um, so going into last night, uh, the Sixers did struggle late. It was they came back in the third quarter. They were down by a good amount in the second. Came back in the third. Uh, kept it close throughout the fourth, and then the Knicks pulled away uh, towards the end. Niang hit a, hit a hit a big three. Andre Drummond had what four? How many points did he have? Uh, fourteen and twenty five boards. Like twenty five sure. rebounds is insane. Corkmaz uh, had I think what nineteen. Nineteen. Yep. Yeah, so like there's a handful of guys, a lot of guys in double figures. It was just one of those games, man. They had, like you said, seven, eight man rotation. Paul Reed only got a handful of minutes. So, that, like, obviously, like you think in the fourth quarter, they looked a little bit tired. They weren't getting good shots. They were kind of just chucking up threes towards the end, hoping that they were going in. Uh, was there anything like, I feel like last night was kind of just like, ah, it is what it is, if if that makes sense. Like the loss just kind of, it seemed like that was what's, what was going to happen anyway. Yeah, overall, uh, an extremely encouraging game on the Sixers. I'm like, this next team is not a bad squad, a team that will make a playoff, some sort of playoff run, be a playoff team this year. And against our really Delaware Bluecoats roster, uh, they hung in there, they fought, they battled back from being down bad at halftime. I mean, the lowest amount of minutes by any starter was 38 minutes from Drummond, or 30 minutes from Danny Gray, I'm sorry. Uh, 24 out of Niang, 21 out of Shake, and Paul Reed with four. Like, there's, there's a lot of minutes for these guys to log and got minutes that these guys aren't used to or really expected to. Uh, to shout out Furkan real quick, because once again, he kept him in, in the first half. Uh, at halftime, they were down 58 44. Furkan had 16 on four of seven from three. The rest of the Sixers had 28 and were five of 13 from three. Uh, the third quarter was huge to the team. They outscored the next 25 to 14. To inch back in that thing and like i know i touched on this earlier but just kind of the will to fight and just never counting out this team is like a characteristic that hasn't necessarily stuck with the sixers over the past couple years and i do really see it with this team and george niang shot one of seven from three the one three that he does hit he is cheering on the crowd waving on this is yelling and everything and it's like the kind of energy and the confidence to go one of seven and celebrate like that after is <laughs> i'm all about it and uh I love the passion he plays with. I think he – I I, I don't think we've seen the necessary, like, fight and, like, energy the way that he's showing. Like, there was even the play where they subbed the guy in on the – the Jericho Simpson on the free throw and took him right out. Niang was freaking out at the officials about how, like, that's not allowed, you can't do it, which he was right about. Like, it, yeah. you absolutely can. Nick somehow got away with subbing a guy in without – or subbing a guy out who never played a second of basketball. But just the passion that Niang plays with, I think, comes out to on center stage, and I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's been he's great, and like again, even on a night where he goes one of seven from three, which is like not great, right? Yeah, he still ends up hitting the the big one, and then he still brings the energy, and like there is um whoever's on the Knicks broadcast apparently was like. How does this guy yeah. get past you? He doesn't seem elusive, but he's just kind of bullying the Knicks right now. It's like, yeah. it's just funny. That's the kind of guy he is. Um, it's funny to hear that Joel Embiid thought that he sucked before they played together, which is hilarious too. And I think Niang is really going to like morph into much, much more than what we signed up for. Um, and he already has. Yeah. But like, I think fully healthy, full strength roster. Um, he's a guy that, fits with everyone he can play the three he can play the four he can even play up he can defend up a little bit too and he's a strong defender a versatile defender and you can always you know 
always take a guy that shoots 40 plus percent from three can always use a guy like that on offense and he's he's shown to be much more than just a shooter too he gets to the rim he makes the right the, the right reads he's a great passer he's a great feel for the game he's just been like it's i've been saying a lot of good things about niang but it feels like i can't say enough yeah i mean think about when mike scott wasn't hitting threes he was straight up unplayable yeah. And Niang to go, he had, he was six of fifteen from the field and one of seven from three. So definitely no means hot. And he still added something to the team the entire time he was on the floor last night. And he's always going to be a little bit of a, a step slow, but he competes on the defense end. And I hated watching him just on an island with Randall as much as it happened, but he did his best on it. He made him work. He was still competing out there. I mean, he was complaining about the one getting hooked on and doing yeah. his best in the post. Ultimately, Randall very good game out of him. Uh, I would have loved to see B-Ball Paul in that matchup more and see just I, I want I wanted that to be I wanted to see what if Paul can yeah. handle that. So I'm a little disappointed when you can see that. But uh I'm I'm very happy with what we have with Neon with Niang and I, I long term I'm still worried about playoff wise if he is picked on defensively. But there is like the competitiveness in it that I, I kind of think he has a chance of of staying in the rotation. Yeah, he is such a high basketball IQ. He's such a smart player that like those guys always find a way, um, whether even if he is a step slow defensively. Like, I don't think it, I, I've actually been surprised that he's been able to stay with people. And yeah. like, he, he's not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Even like on the perimeter, he got it. I forget. Like he stayed with James Harden, like against Brooklyn. Like he was there a lot of that time. And like, that's not something you really want Niang on, but he was able to do his job. And like, he's almost always going to defer to allowing them like a step towards the three point line rather than like staying up on them because he's a step slow. But most of the time he does a great job closing out. He did that on Randall a few times last night. I personally don't enjoy Julius Randall as a basketball player. Um, inefficient night. Like he, he took him, like I was having a conversation with my friend, like the whole time. It's like for Julius Randall to have a good night, he needs to take 22 or more shots. Like he's not going to have a good night on 18 shots. He's just not yeah. going to. He took 12, 25, 25. Yeah. Like 31 points on 25 shots. He was very good down the stretch. I, I will say that he played well in the fourth quarter, like later in the fourth quarter. But like Julius Randle to me is the classic volume equals scoring. Um, and it's whatever. I I wasn't like totally impressed with the Knicks at all, to be honest. I, I can't believe the way they celebrated and the way they were like there was like a minute left when they were, went on, when they kind of put the nail in the coffin and won. And just to see like, these guys are jumping around, like they won the championship. And it's like, yeah, you guys are playing without our best three players, without Matisse, without Isaiah Joe. If they have like, Matisse, they win. I think if the Sixers have Matisse, they win. I think they're, I, I, they're very, they were very close in that game. I'm, I'm proud of the Sixers effort last night and very happy with what I saw. That was, this is probably the best I felt after a loss in a while. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, I really am not that upset about the lot. Like things are going to happen. And that was to be expected to be in that game. Like even leading up to the game, I was pretty shocked. The Sixers were looked at as expected to have a chance and that kind of thing. Like that was a full Knicks squad against our B team. And we still hung in there. So I'm pretty proud of the take, pretty proud of us for hanging in the game for the way the Sixers looked, the way they competed. And to me, that's all you can ask from them. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like you said earlier, it's, it's, this part of the Sixers, the fight and like the grit that they have right now is something we haven't seen necessarily over the years. Um, I feel like that would have been a game la even last year uh, without these guys. They probably would have just like folded um, mm -hmm. or especially two years ago. They would have just, you know, not com not competed in the way that they did last night. But they play again tonight against the Bucks. 
But before mm-hmm. we get to that, there was some there were some rumors or some things going around uh, yesterday morning. So allegedly, according to Shams, there's some mutual interest or there is the Boston expressed interest in Ben Simmons. And apparently the, the package would be centered around Jalen Brown. So there's a few layers to this. And I think a lot of people are missing the point when I say this, but I would vomit. I would throw up. I would be in a state of like on well if Ben Simmons played for the Celtics. On the other hand, Jalen Brown is very, very good. And he's very he what he does is very necessary for the Sixers. He would help with the perimeter defense. He's scoring 25 a night. He's not afraid to pull from three and he can get hot and be very like outlandish scoring. But again, watching Ben Simmons play basketball in a Celtics uniform would be like a bottom five thing that's ever happened to me, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle it, honestly. All right. So, I mean, we've, we've sat on different sides of this Ben Simmons coin for a while. Yeah. So I firmly stand on, I have zero consideration whatsoever for what this guy wants, where he wants to play, whatever. Oh yeah. I don't care about him. Ben Simmons in a Celtics jersey would be the number one villain of all time. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think this deal has like a, a high chance of happening. I think this yeah. was a, a sniff around deal. I, I do think the Celtics are in a much more state of flux than the Sixers are, which isn't recognized enough. Like we see the Marcus, Marcus Smart comments. We see the ISO ball with uh, Jason uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown is pretty much their offensive guys are complaining about that. Uh, they had a players only meeting that apparently got super emotional and everything like that. So I do think the Celtics are way more of a mess than the Sixers are, which is crazy to say. And, I don't think he's getting recognized enough, so I'll, I'll repeat it again. Uh, but I absolutely love Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown would be – like, he's always been a guy that's been a favorite player of mine that I wish wasn't a Celtic. Like, I would love to admire him truly on a team, and I, I would have no issue sending Simmons to the Celtics. Once again, like, I think we know what this guy, who he is, and the limitations to his game is something we can capitalize in the playoffs against if we can play up with that. And it's interesting to me the Celtics were really the first team to kind of – pick and choose that with Celtics like remember the playoff series I think it was like three years ago where he had the one point outing when they just kind of built the wall in front of the net and wouldn't let him attack the paint that's where the scared to shoot threes started really coming into play and so interesting that it's kind of some interest there I do think it makes sense from a I think the Celtics would love to add Simmons to Jason and Jalen I don't think there's any way interest-wise or financially that can happen but uh like that makes sense to me surrounding him with two shooters like that. I, I, if there's any way to land Jalen Brown, I'm absolutely all in on it. I still, I don't think I would toss Maxi in the deal just because of Brown's not enough of a like distributor and guy that can, a playmaker, guy that can run an offense that like we can put him as like a real point guard. So I would still rather hold on to Max for that. I think we would probably have to toss him Matisse picks, maybe a little more, and I'm okay with all of that. I would like to keep Maxi with that deal just because of that the point guard situation. But as far as basketball wise, how do you feel about it? Basketball wise, like straightforward. Like if you're if you're just like basically going, like if it were a straight swap, I think it's an incredible deal. Um, just in terms of like skill wise, I think it's probably up there with the best that you're gonna get. Um, again, like. It, you always avoid these type of things though, right? Like any deal with the Celtics is a deal with the devil. We've seen it happen time and time again. Um, 
it would be hilarious to see Ben Simmons back with Josh Richardson and Al Horford. Like, how funny would that be? Um, but I, I don't know. I think like basketball wise, obviously, just adding Jalen Brown to this lineup. Like, if you keep the same same lineup, uh, and you have Maxi Curry, Brown, Harris, and Bead, very solid. Like, yeah, up there in the best in the league. Uh, that that big three is elite on a lot of levels. Uh, specifically defensively, they're they're very good again. Um, and I believe in Maxi's ability to play point guard for this team. So on paper, it makes sense. Um, if you have to add Matisse, if you have to add, like, obviously you said, like Maxi apparently is like untouchable for them. They mentioned that, um, which I love, but I don't know. I just, I hate the idea of it. I, I, I absolutely hate the idea of it, but I think the bigger picture of this is like teams are going to come knocking. Someone's going to bite. And yeah. eventually, like, I, I think that was what I got from it was, Maury might be asking for too much right now. He might be asking for like a big trade package and he might be kind of pushing the limits here. But I don't think that that's by accident. I don't think he's doing this to be like, oh, I wonder how much I can get. He's like, this is the this is the landmark. This is the bar that I'm setting. I won't be taking lower than this. So if you want to call back in three weeks when you guys are still underperforming, go ahead. But just know that I'm not picking up if it's not about these four guys. Like, you know what I mean? When I, and I think that's important for, I know, I think like, a lot of people have talked about De'Aaron Fox and I know there's been some rumblings about that and I and obviously Brown here and but like Portland's been terrible and their GM is under investigation for some yeah, not good things right now. Um their Washington has actually been playing very well. So like Bradley Beal's probably not on the move anytime soon. So like there's some things that are happening around the league and like again we're 11 games in and there's already the first like domino to fall. Um, if Boston was reaching out to Philadelphia right now, like already this close, like this early in the season, I think that that is a sign pointing in the right direction for what the Sixers have been waiting for. And I think over the next month, month and a half, we're going to see a lot more of that, like pressure being put on other teams to, you know, maybe they have to make a move and go, go change something up. So I was encouraged by that and not so much about like the rumored deal. Yeah. I think everybody should shut up with the the role players and those kind of deals and that not happening uh yeah as far as the idea of flipping simmons for role player like we have enough of those guys we have yeah. plenty of guys who can fill the. this is one of the deepest sixers teams we've seen in a while the one thing i will say and this has shifted kind of my mindset for a trade a little bit they absolutely need to get a deal done for the deadline get whatever you can get for simmons because in my mind, you owe it to this team to try and compete for a championship this year. That this team has shown enough that they're at least on the fringe of good enough that like we have that outside shot at winning a championship. And we're definitely players short. We're definitely guys that we will get back in a Simmons deal kind of short. Like I'm not saying this is a complete team whatsoever, but I think we're close enough to being that complete team that you have to at least go for it this year. And I'm not willing to sacrifice like dragging this out past the deadline and in the four years or whatever Darren Morey wants to say. Like, I do think that we're, we're close enough and have enough of a shot with Joel Embiid playing the level that he's capable of that we can make a deep playoff run. And I think giving our all this year is important. So even if that means maybe taking a little less, like that's what we have to do at the deadline. And also I don't like the reputation that gets keeps like kind of getting passed to Daryl Morey for like this being like an ego move or having to win the deal. Like, Straight up on a team building basis, he has to get this deal right. And if he messes this up, like this can really cripple like any championship hope. So there to me, it's not this like sitting big dog trying to like 
bully Simmons or get a deal done. There is a really like a legitimate basketball. Like he has to get the right deal here. Like he can't mess this up. So I, I don't like that his portrait is that. And frankly, he's being smart with everything. So in more we trust, if this is what is like the guys, the rumors kind of popping up earlier on, let's relax with any settle for D'Angelo Russell or Buddy Heald. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing right now is like there is kind of a like tightrope that Maury's walking and like you you've talked about this. We've talked about this for a while. Like you only get one shot at this. You only have one one chance yeah. to trade your second best player. You only have one chance to trade a guy that was once your first overall pick. Like you can't do it twice. So if you mess up the first time, like you have to live with that. And the Sixers have been on the wrong side of these type of things like too many times in my life. Uh, so I'm happy that they're waiting and, 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 you know, pushing it out. So I don't know, man, it's, it's tough right now because there doesn't seem like there's like a light at the end of the tunnel yet. Um, there's like now, like yesterday was the first like rumor that resurfaced in terms of like, there's, there was a ton over the summer. There was a ton right at the beginning of the year, but things have been, you know, fairly quiet over the last two weeks or so. Um, and then yesterday I feel like sparked them again. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what yeah, happens yeah. over the next like week. One more thing with the actual Jalen Brown and Celtics connection. Ime Udoka was uh, in Simmons' yeah. corner during his time here and a guy that apparently had a pretty good working relationship with Simmons. So him coaching the Celtics now, I definitely think is at least noteworthy. And I don't think that's enough to like get a deal done by any means, but that is something I think at least is worth noting and plays into the factor. So I'm not fully ruling it out, but I think it's unlikely at this point. But if it's on the table, I'm all about Jalen Brown. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I would hate I would hate the outcome of it um, in terms of like Ben being in Boston. Like it's going to it's going to be difficult to watch Ben anywhere. Uh, but my goodness, <laughs> Boston Celtics. It's like I'm literally thinking like maybe a year ago. That's probably my worst nightmare like of all time. Uh, so watching that come to fruition would be very difficult for me and stomach churning. But before we go, I want to talk about something really quick because a lot uh, there's a lot going on right now and it's like not totally connected to the Sixers but it's close enough uh Nikola Jokic you <laughs> saw what he did last night uh there's layers to this first of all if you're Markeith Morris maybe you should stop screwing around with people maybe you should stop taking cheap shots at people uh Nikola Jokic lost his mind and if it were Embiid this you know people would be bur like burning down the Wells Fargo Center trying to get to Embiid so what did you think of that that whole debacle last night? Yeah, I mean, this it was like a crazy person to act out of Jokic. Like, uh, he was just throw the elbow kind of out of nowhere. Like, I mean, Morris for sure stirred the pot there and should not be doing that. The game was significantly over at that point. But it was crazy to see Jokic just run him like that. And really, this is not like a, a once-in-a-blue-moon thing. Like, Jokic has been known to do that. Yeah. I do think it's a little comical that this was a couple days after Embiid almost knocking out Lonzo, which was absolutely <laughs> – not intentional whatsoever, but I really do believe that Embiid situation, like if he connects fully on that, Lonzo is a sleeping man. And that was a, that would have been a UFC yeah. prelim moment right there. <laughs> but uh, I'm happy that he had no idea Lonzo was there. Zero intent on Embiid's part. And I'm glad they didn't kick him out or anything for that, but definitely a little bit of scary moment there. Uh, back to the Jokic. It is interesting how these guys have such a different, I mean, their demeanors are so different just because Embiid is like a wear his heart in his sleeve guy versus Jokic is so just like nonchalant and casual and whatever. But he definitely has like a, a temper on him too. And I think that should be recognized. So I'm with you. Yeah, dude, I was like, 
I was literally sitting on the couch watching football and I got the note of, or I got like saw the video on Twitter. And I was like, what is going on right now? And then a lot of barking between Butler and the, the rest of the Miami guys. I thought Sweet. it was funny. I mean, we can, we could go all day about this. Cause I thought that was a big joke. Um, Jimmy Butler was three. Stuff. Yeah. He was three feet behind him when it happened. And then you waited until there was 15 security guards in between you guys to yell, but that's beside the point. And then like Tyler hero was also right there. And like, I don't know if, like, I don't know about you, but if you watch your teammate get like, crushed like that normally you'd at least get in his face and he like eh, backed out of the way which i thought was funny and uh fitting for tyler hero but regardless Jokic has done this he has a he has a record of this and um i love that there's like beef between like two random teams like I, i've <laughs> always enjoyed that like the the cross conference see you twice a year beef um but like that comes with marky morris and what he is like as a player like he he does that um yeah and he causes that type of thing. So i uh, glad to see he was okay then. Obviously, no disrespect at, at all. But um, tonight, we'll move forward tonight just really quickly. The Sixers play the Bucks at home on a back-to-back. Uh, they're going to be without all their guys again. Uh, no one's going to be back from who missed last night, right? There's there's no one returning? Yeah, I don't think so. Danny so, Green was the one guy we got back. So are you, are you worried about this one? Yeah, it's going to be a tough stretch until guys get healthy. I, I hope we mix in some fresh legs. We dig down to the bench. Let's see what Aaron Henry's got. Let's see what Jaden Springer – maybe not Jaden Springer. But let's see what Aaron Henry can do for sure. But, yeah. uh, like, I mean, at least give these guys a little bit of time to rest. And they're competing as hard as they can. I don't feel great about our odds tonight either. The Bucks are have looked pretty good to start the season. They're a solid squad, obviously defending champs. Uh, so it's again. This isn't a major loss in this game, in the grand scheme of things. If we can't pick up a win tonight, but who knows? Maybe they can compete and make some magic happen. Yeah, man. I wouldn't be opposed to like. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if you want to start Paul Reed or you want to like. I don't. I don't know what the plan is, honestly. Um, but like, get let Bassey play. Uh, give him a chance as his backup center and let Paul Reed be a four. Uh, play a little bit big tonight because obviously the Bucks are big. So. It'll be interesting. It's always interesting with the Sixers. They never they never make it easy for us. So uh it'll be tough because the Bucks are very good. Giannis is very good. This this team is coming off obviously like their ring ceremony yesterday. So you know, it is what it is. They're they're gonna be in this battle for a little bit without their their guys, but um hopefully these guys are back soon. What is Tobias is eligible by the end of this week, right? Um he's missing. Let me look at their schedule. He just has to return two tests, the two negative tests. Uh, I think it has to be 10 days, 10 full days, and then there's two days of like a return to play protocol before he's cleared for games. So I think the uh, Jazz game is the one he'll first be back for. So he's going to miss Bucks, Raptors, and Pacers still. Mm, Not fun. Yeah. Not fun at all. But uh, they will definitely try to find a way to get through it. They always do. Uh, Maxi will be obviously leaned on a lot. So um aside from that is there anything else you got i'm all good so all right process yeah absolutely we'll catch you guys on thursday thank you guys for tuning in you can follow sean at sean underscore bernard follow me at jsbrain17 follow the pod at pixwap pod check us out on youtube all that good stuff we appreciate you guys for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys soon